You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So today is a big day. We get to see, I don't even know who's playing and who's not. I know Aaron Rodgers, I don't know, but I'm quite positive Aaron Rodgers will not be playing. And with that, I'm not sure who else might also be held out. I mean, injuries aside, I'm guessing Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, etc., etc. They're probably not going. But, you know, Bakhtiari, is he going? Balaga, they've been holding him out a lot. I guess I'm just curious how bad this is going to be. Like, is this Deshaun Kaiser with Alex Light at right tackle? And, uh, you know, Jimmy Smithsison, Mr. Five foot eleven, two twenty five at running back. Probably got the name wrong, but I did not get the height and weight wrong. But anyways, I did kind of want to look at, I don't know, general expectations. If you can really have any, what, what things would be nice to see? But at the same time, we should probably also have a discussion about the fact that, again, Aaron Rodgers is not playing, number one. We don't really have a good quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers, number two. Um, Matt LaFleur probably is not going to unload his full offensive scheme, so if holding back scheme is is kind of a thing that causes the offense to be less good, that's also going to be a thing. So on some level, we can't really come into this saying, I want a win, although that would be nice. And I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying that making that the goal isn't really what I'm looking for personally. might be a broader macro thing where it's, you know, you kind of want to pull out a win somewhere in here. But maybe we should look at individual goals. And then because I don't really actually expect that to take all that long, we'll uh, look at a couple different questions and comments and things. But before we take our break, I just once again want to remind you about the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever. You know, the one with $3.5 million in total prizes. That's that big bad boy you can only find on Draft.com. Again, season-long, best ball tournament, so you just set it and forget it. No trades, no waivers, no setting lineup, no salary cap. Just jump on Draft, jump into a, uh, a live snake draft, grab the best players, and then Draft is going to automatically put your best players for that week on the roster. Obviously, that would be retroactively because they don't know the future. And because they're super hip and cool, they've even got their own apps. You can go to the App Store. You can go to Google Play. Just type in Draft. It'll be the top one. And again, for a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code PACKERNET. So it's a free entry into a chance to win a million bucks just by going to draft, putting in a deposit, and using my promo code PACKERNET. So make sure you search draft in the app store or go to draft.com. Come play free with promo code PACKERNET. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I guess I don't know exactly what I was looking for, um, but when I decided to do this little project, I said, let's go back and look at what happened in preseason week one 2018 which interestingly enough if you recall was against the Tennessee Titans but really I was just kind of curious to see what what happens is it the good guys play good and the bad guys play bad was there anything kind of telling us the future and kind of in a sense that's true and it doesn't really hold up for four weeks is the problem right you sit there and stare at week one long enough and it's like oh man there's kind of this thing then you go to week two and it all just gets blown up in your face but for example Number one player, Devontae Adams, right? Big shocker. Number two player, talking about, and this is offensive player, by the way, but probably number two player because these two players both had elite grades, but talk about foreshadowing Mr. Marquez Valdez-Scantling right there at Devontae Adams' heels. Then, depressing enough, number three player uh, in preseason week one was actually Brett Hundley. Kind of breaks down after that. Actually, it breaks down immediately after Marquez. However, on the other end of it, maybe something that's a little more telling isn't exactly the really good players, but the really not super great players, which kind of makes sense. But the worst player in this game, take a wild guess who that might be. Do you think maybe it might be Byron Bell? Because it was. That's exactly who it was. Followed by Emmanuel Bird, Kofi Amicia, Kevin Rader, Mercedes Lewis, Lance Kendricks. And if you look at it, it's funny because... Some of the worst players on our team last year were the tight ends. There were several games where it was just all tight ends at the bottom. Preseason week one, telling you the future. Uh, after that was Adam Pankey, then Ty Montgomery, Aaron Ripkowski, Justin McCray, Jamon Moore, Kyle Lewis. It's not really until you get to Geronimo, but even at that point, we're about halfway up, and Geronimo is sitting at pretty close to 60, which is dead average, which is actually really close to what his season-long grade was anyways. So even if you want to get upset about that, it's like, well, I mean, that's pretty accurate. Now, the cool thing about Geronimo is when I went through this, he got better every week. So Geronimo took a step in week two. Then in week three, he was actually really good. And then week four, he was actually the number one um, player on the offense. Granted, week four is when there are literally zero starters. So if you are a starter level player playing against zero starters, you probably should be pretty good. But it's still nice to see that progression from Geronimo Allison, and I guess that's kind of where I would start with this. If Geronimo Allison is really going to prove me wrong, and there are several players that, of course, because I'm a Packer fan first, my opinions come second, don't want the Packers to fail in, you know, for the sake of me being correct, but if Geronimo Allison is really going to be better than he was last year, and that is what the conversation is, it's not a matter of I was wrong about Geronimo, I'm not wrong about Geronimo, he hasn't been that good. He's had a couple big plays. He's had a couple big, you know, coming up on third down and all that stuff, and Aaron Rodgers likes him. I get all that. But he's been a very mediocre, borderline starter caliber wide receiver. 
as in maybe kind of barely. If Geronimo has taken a step, he needs to be a much better wide receiver and carry on what he's been doing in training camp, which has been pretty impressive. And granted, that's going to be hard without Aaron Rodgers on the field. Now, PFF should hopefully be able to to sift through that because, again, they're not looking at stats. They're looking at his matchup against this corner. And if he's able to get open from him, doesn't really matter if Kaiser can't hit him or Boyle can't hit him or whatever. But what we saw in training camp was wide receivers doing a really, really good job. And because it's a pretty tough competition, and listen, Geronimo's going to make the team. There's no question. I'm not trying to insinuate he won't. But he still needs to kind of separate himself. He's seen as sort of this automatic, he's going to be the starting slot guy, arguably the second best wide receiver on the team, whatever. It's just, oh, that's fine. Prove it. I'm not convinced he's better than Equinemius. I know he has a better rapport with Aaron Rodgers, but how long is that going to last? Once Equinemius gets a better rapport with with Aaron Rodgers, kind of just negates that whole, we have a, a rapport. Then it just comes down to talent and athleticism. And again, I like EQ for that. And although I don't expect it to happen, he's got Mr. Darius Shepard kind of nipping at his heels. And Darius hasn't automatically won the job, but as far as a, a slot guy that's really been impressive, Darius Shepard's been pretty solid. And one of the things that I like about our new GM and our new head coach is they don't seem to care so much about, you know, kind of like I said about my opinion being the most important thing. It's really just about the best player. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to gun for Geronimo. I'm just saying... If if he has taken a step, if he is definitely the number two, number three wide receiver on this team, and then there's a gap down to Equinemius, down to, you know, Kumaro or whoever, what, however you have it in your mind, I'm all for it. Sorry, I mean, I'm here for it, right? Right, young kids? It's funny, since I went on my tirade, I think there have been like six posts in the Facebook group with little fire symbols at the end of it. I was thinking about it, by the way. little side note. You know, by being a crotchety old man, I'm actually more hip and trendy than you are, assuming you're not like me. You know why? Because in two years, nobody's going to be saying this stuff. And everybody's going to say it was really lame and nobody says that anymore. Guess who was here first saying that it was lame? Me. Trendsetter. Boom. Get out of my face. Better jump on the train, boys. Pack Daddy knows what's up. Speaking of Trendsetter, you know what all the kids are wearing? I hear they're wearing these cool Pack Daddy shirts. Packernet podcast and whatnot. You can find a link in the description. No, but I I am excited generally about the wide receiver competition, and I do hope that we start to see some clarity in that. Because there is a difference between, you know, as I've said, OTAs and training camp. There's a difference between training camp and preseason, and there's a massive difference between preseason and the regular season. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see that before the 53 cutdowns and all that stuff. But this is it. This is where you have to separate, literally and figuratively. And technically, that's true for Marquez as well. Because as much as I talk about Geronimo, and really the only reason I do is because people hype him a little bit too much, but at the same time, Marquez actually had a lower grade than Geronimo last year. Marquez very similarly had flashes, but wasn't overall an elite wide receiver by any stretch. He kind of started to come on a little bit strong. He's since won the job as the number two guy, at least as of now. It could technically lose it, but I doubt he will. But this team still needs a true number two. Well... Not needs is debatable, but it it would help a lot. And so a strong showing from Marquez would also be incredibly important. So I'd like everybody to to play well because, again, it's a tough competition. To make the roster, to be a starter, how much playing time you get, all that stuff, somebody's got something to fight for. 
And, of course, Devontae I want to dominate if he plays just because I got high expectations for him. I, I think there's a, the, the potential for him to be solidified as a top five, and I'm not even talking about statistically. I think that's automatic. I think you can argue he's been statistically top five for quite a while now. I mean, just, just from his touchdown numbers on top of his yardage is just ridiculous. The other end of this, and it's what's kind of a, a upsetting about the whole uh, joint practice thing, Outside of Jonathan Joseph, the, the Texans don't really have that good of corners. The the wide receivers have to be able to beat this group, and that includes Jonathan Joseph. I mean, he, he's a he's a good corner. He's not elite. He's not a lockdown corner. He's just good. But if, if Geronimo and Marquez and, and the rest of them, if they can't beat Jonathan Joseph, I mean, they I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of corners you can beat, but that that's a relatively low bar. Like, I, I, I need straight up bad or mediocre corners or I'm just going to get wiped out of this game well then you're not really that good of a wide receiver just straight up but Aaron Colvin Bradley Roby I mean those guys are bad and if you're Geronimo Allison and you can't beat Aaron Colvin in the slot that's a problem I don't care who your quarterback is that's a that's a situation you have to beat and you should be able to dominate that situation if you can't that's a problem Aaron Colvin is just bad he's really bad and, it's, you know, the safeties over the top are decent, but again, it's a similar situation. There's, they don't have an elite safety. They've got good safeties. Overall, the, the Texans' defense is maybe a little bit overhyped. Clowney and Watt are unbelievably good. Arguably the best duo in the NFL. But in this game, I don't think either of them are going to be playing. Clowney still hasn't even signed a contract, and Watt is, you know, Watt is Watt, and you're going to want to protect him. Whitney Merciless is a big name, but he's been on the downswing for a long time. 2015 was his breakout year. Um, 2016 was still very good, but not as good. 2017 was good, not great. 2018 was average. DJ Raider is is good, not great, good. So I mean, the the bottom line is, it's a really good team to play against. It's a it's a different team. It's competition. It's an aggressive defense. They've they've got a different mentality, right? This is that whole you know got a man up, tough. Kind of like an AFC North style, just smash you in the mouth kind of defense. They're 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 mean, but they're not that good. And you should be able to win. Our offensive line should be able to win against their defensive line. Their linebackers aren't that good. Safeties are decent, not great. Corners outside of Joseph are kind of terrible. It's just preseason. There's going to be issues. There's going to be miscommunications, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, when you line up, your job is to beat the guy in front of you. I don't care if you're a lineman, a wide receiver, what your job is. You just have to go win, and I expect you to go win. At the end of the day, a, a route is, is a route, whether it's Mike McCarthy calling it or it's Matt LaFleur. If you're running a post, a post is a post. All the terminology and all the different stuff and all the excuses and preseason or regular season or all this, none of that matters. You're running a post route against Bradley Roby. Marquez, you should be able to beat Bradley Roby on a post route. All this other noise and confusion and complication and overthinking and everything is just nonsense. Go beat him. As far as the offensive line, this is going to be one of the most interesting offensive line, you know, preseasons for an offensive line. Usually I don't care. It's just, um, you know, I, I just want the offensive line to, to hold off long enough to see if the quarterback's any good or see, you know, I just I just want to watch a good football game. But when you've got Billy Turner, who's new, you've got Elton Jenkins fighting for a starting job. You've got Cole Madison, which is really interesting. There's plenty to watch. And this is all a competition, too. I, I think, you know, I really think Bakhtiari, Taylor, Lindsley, Turner, and Balaga is the expected starting lineup. 
I think Elton Jenkins, though, maybe there's an outside shot. And there's been some really good reports, especially the last few days, of just dominating people, pancaking people. There was, there was one note in the, I think, the most recent uh, training camp note that I did, I think it was, where, where uh, Elton Jenkins pan- pancaked a guy twice in a row. And you factor in how he was just drafted. You know, he's younger. He's more athletic. He's a better fit for this scheme. He was drafted specifically for this scheme. It really just seems like it's a matter of time. It's just a, a question of when it's going to happen. Is he going to take the spot this year? Is it going to be week one? Is it going to be next year? I don't know. But these preseason games are going to help tell that story. Um, it'll also be interesting if Brian Balaga does not go. Um, first of all, watching Alex Light, but would they try Billy Turner at all at tackle at any point? Probably not, but it's an interesting thought because there's some thought that if this happened in the real, you know, regular season for real, Billy Turner is going to slide out to tackle because he's our best tackle, and that the whole Alex Light thing is really just trying to find out who the backup guys are going to be that can play tackle because we're really thin there, so we need to find out who can do it and who can't. But in a real live game situation. Turner goes to tackle, and then you get like an Elton Jenkins to come in and play guard because you need to have your best line, and that's going to be a better line than Turner at guard and Alex Light at tackle, presumably. So it'll be interesting to see if they're going to give him any reps at tackle. Tight ends, I want to see something. Um, really hasn't been all that great. Robert Tanyan, I think, has maybe been the most impressive of the group. Um, Jay Sternberger came on a little bit during these Texans games, which is which is good because it's, you know, when you're a rookie – Obviously, things take a little bit of time, so seeing him take these slow progressions is great. I'm, I'm really starting to... It, it's beyond worry for Jimmy Graham. It's almost an annoyance at this point, so it, it's really to the point where I'm, I'm almost... Not that it matters what my demands are, but I'm, I'm sort of just demanding. Right? He, he has to play well, or it's just we need to get rid of it, because I don't, I don't get it at this point. And I mean, he's he's almost to the point where he's just getting upset, you know, because people are asking him questions about it, and he's getting super upset about that. You know, I don't I mean I don't really care if he doesn't want to talk to the media. He doesn't usually do it, and that's up to him. That's no big deal. But it it's just kind of bothersome to hear him talk a big game like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know silence all the haters and I'm gonna show everybody and you know what a ridiculous question. Why would you even ask me if I was surprised they brought me back? Of course not, right? He's he's got the right bravado. He's not backing it up. Right, following that interview, he goes out against the Texans and he's dropping ball. Dude, you're Jimmy Graham, and I know you're getting older, which means you don't run as fast. How, what, do you have arthritis already? How can you just not remember how to catch a football? I mean, you got like 45-year-old wide receiver. Like I just saw Randy Moss just went out to the, the, the Patriots camp. Tom Brady threw him a ball from, geez, it looked like 50 yards out. He caught it. You know why? Because even though maybe he doesn't run quite as fast anymore and wouldn't be as good in the NFL anymore, he didn't forget how to catch a football. Beyond that, Jimmy, a big part of your game is cerebral, right? It's boxing people out and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you box them out, you extend your arms, and it's an unstoppable. Why can't you do that anymore? It's really just to the point when I watch him where it just seems like he's not happy. I don't know if he's just upset with his play and how it's been declining, and maybe this has been building up since Seattle and he's just kind of at a breaking point. And he's just thinking about retirement, right? Some some guys, you get to that point where it's like, you know, I, I'm not a superstar anymore. I'm kind of just in this because, I mean, how do you turn down when the Packers offer you $10 bucks? And maybe that's all this is. He's just waiting to retire, but he can't walk away from $10 million, so he's just here. I don't know what it is, but don't don't give me this nonsense about he's too old. You're not too old to catch a football. That doesn't excuse drops. You're not too old to be big. 
I, I know you're not fast, but I, remember, I don't know if you, well, some of you are new, so welcome. But quite a while ago, I went back and looked at, at Jimmy Graham in New Orleans. I don't know that I ever saw him get a ton of separation. I mean, he, he would run a seam route, and there would be one, two, sometimes three guys on him, and Drew Brees would throw it up, and he would just go up and get it because he's bigger than everybody. I don't know if he just forgot he's big or what. But in my mind, 90% of what makes Jimmy Graham great is still a part of who Jimmy Graham is, which is why I've said I, I don't expect New Orleans Jimmy Graham, but it'd be nice if we got Seattle Jimmy Graham, at the very least a red zone guy. Right? You don't have to be very fast to run up five yards, stop, turn around, and get the ball away from the guy who's, who's guarding you. Just, just win. I'm just, just win 50-50 balls. You're bigger, you're stronger. Just win. So, I, you know... I'm not making any predictions about he's going to be good, he's going to be bad. I'm just saying you, he, he needs to be better. And I do not want the Packers to pay him unless he can prove he is way better. I mean, it's just to the point where it's ridiculous. Robert Tanyan, Jay Sternberg, everybody basically, with the exception of, of the very bottom of the, the, the crop, seems to be doing better than Jimmy Graham. And I know Rodgers really likes him, and he made a comment recently about you know being super cerebral. He was saying, you know, when he... The, these plays, and sometimes he kind of forgets what to do, which is funny hearing him admit that, right? He, he feels like a rookie because he goes to the line and he kind of forgets stuff. He says, at that point, I just stare down Devontae or Jimmy, right? So th- so he's on that level of trust, but that only should go so far. He, he's getting paid to be a playmaker. He needs to be a playmaker. I mean, he's getting paid insane money right now. On an average per year basis, he is the highest paid tight end in the NFL. He's getting paid more than Travis Kelsey, He's getting paid more than Zach Ertz. I mean, Delaney Walker, if you if you want to use a, a comparable tight end, Delaney Walker is still a very good tight end. And again, I, I talked about how if you look at the, the Tennessee Titans and what Matt LaFleur did, despite the offense not being super great, the tight ends were unbelievable. Great. I look forward to that. But I really would like to start seeing that. And look, the fact that he's around is is intriguing. right? I, it's, it's annoying only insofar as I assume that they don't see anything in Jimmy Graham, which I, I kind of think has to not be the case. It's a very confusing way to phrase a sentence. But essentially what I'm saying is I think Gutekunst and Lafleur are on a very different page than I am. I'm looking at it saying I don't see anything, and I, I get the impression they're looking at it going, no, you don't understand. This guy's still really good. But it's got to translate at some point. right? All the nuance and all the intelligence and all the rapport and all the stuff that he brings that's that's subtle, that, you, you know, you, you got to be a coach to understand. Yeah, but I shouldn't have to be a coach to understand. I don't, I don't need to be a coach to understand 800 yards and 12 touchdowns. I also don't need to be a coach to understand 600 yards and two touchdowns. Production is really all that matters here. And you could, you could try to find some nuance and say, well, technically, no, right? Maybe he draws all the attention. And I, I remember seeing film of that last year. It was like, look at everybody just... M- m- gravitate toward Jimmy Graham, and that opens up a spot here. Yeah, okay, that's cool, but again, $10 bucks a year, I kind of want to see some production too. If all you're doing is helping to shift a linebacker out of the way to vacate a zone for somebody else, how about we pay you like $5 million to be a decoy? Even that seems generous, but how about that? $10 bucks. I want to see production, bottom line. As for the other guys, I want the exact opposite, right? Tanyan, just, just Prove me wrong. I don't think you have to prove anybody else wrong. Everybody else already thinks you're an elite tight end. I don't. I think you're you're exceeding expectations, and I think that's awesome. I think he's a capable enough tight end. But I think he's one of those guys that's good enough to stay on a roster, but is also one of those guys that's that's kind of hurting you. 
because he's good enough and you don't feel this urgency to replace him, and he probably should be replaced. I keep bringing up Richard Rodgers, but he's just a great example of that. You keep wanting to replace him, but at the same time, at the very least, you got Richard Rodgers. And there's a rapport with, with Aaron Rodgers, and he's a clutch player, and whatever. It's kind of this weird relationship where all offseason, it's like, we got to get a new one, we got to replace Richard Rodgers. And then during the season, it's like, oh man, I like that guy. Richard Rodgers coming up on third down, my man. Love that guy. As soon as the season's over, can we please get a tight end in here finally ever? Uh, Mercedes, I would just like to see on the field. I don't think I've heard a single note about Mercedes Lewis at all, all year. And that, I mean, it's another situation. He's getting paid a decent amount of money. And, and for the money he's being paid, if he's just a blocker, fine. If, he, if As long as he's a good blocker, I don't care. I don't need to see, you know, stats. I mean, a couple touchdowns, if you're constantly in there blocking, you sneak out once in a while, whatever. But hopefully, first of all, he gets utilized as a blocker, and second of all, he's really good at it. Last year, neither of those things were true. He wasn't utilized properly, and when he was, he didn't really meet expectations. Which, for two million bucks a year, eh. But still, I mean, you were brought in for a reason. I just want somebody to wow me. I mean, it's been a long time since we've had a tight end that's really been impressive. I loved watching Jay Sternberger in college. I understand that it's, you know, it's a different game and it's actually really hard for tight ends to translate. I remember somebody saying it takes like two to three years before a tight end reaches their full potential. I don't want to wait that long. I don't have any expectations of Evan Bayless or Farrell McKeever. Somebody, anybody. I don't care if it's Mercedes that has a breakout game statistically. It's like, sweet, perfect, great. Even better because he's primarily a blocker. People are going to assume he's a blocker. You slide him out, boom. He's going to be huge taking entirely too long but you know running backs I I don't I think for me it's really just a matter of I want to see a good operation because it has not been a very good operation a successful run play is kind of what's important again I'm assuming Aaron Aaron and Jamal aren't going to be playing I could be wrong maybe this is what they've been rusting up for like let's just wait you know maybe he's been good for a couple days and it's like let's just wait for the game but I kind of doubt it if anything if he's good, they're going to hold him out one more, and then they'll bring him out after the game because it's just a higher injury risk in a game. But, you know, I, I, I'd really like to see Corey Grant. I've, I've got relatively high expectations because of his high ceiling and his ability to be a pass catcher, which we don't really have. Yes, I know, Aaron, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are elite receivers. No, they're not. And, of course, I want to see some Danny Vitale because I've been hearing about him and hearing about him and hearing about him, and I just want to see it. Again, no Aaron Rodgers, which makes this a little bit more painful, but it'll still be nice to keep an eye on him as much as possible. Watch him blocking, uh, see if they use him in the run game, watch him as a receiver, see if they split him out at all, which he did a ton in college. Just want to see it. And that's about it. You know, I mean, uh, I didn't really touch on the quarterbacks, but, you know, somebody's got to step up. And I, I don't want to, I've pretty much given up on Kaiser, but I, 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 I want to at least give him the preseason, I guess. I mean, I doubt we're going to cut him because, again, Tim Boyle and Manny Wilkins, it's just not happening. It, it would be nice for something to just click, and he just goes absolutely insane and carves up the, uh, the Texans here. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, on the flip side, I want to start with corners because I I am clearly a lot lower on our corner group than most Packer fans. I really like Jair. I really like his potential. But again, Jair graded out as the 30th best corner last year. That's good. That's fine. But he's got a long way to go before he's a elite shutdown lockdown corner and when you start training camp by basically getting beat every single day by every single receiver that we have on this team is not a good start. And I know it's training camp and it's what it's whatever excuses you want to level that's fine. It's time to step up now. This is a game You've had a ton of practice. You've worked out the kinks. You've been training with De- Devontae. I know he's putting in the work. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've heard about it. We know the potential's in there. That's fine. But again, the production's got to come out. And I don't want to hear about, well, he gave up the pass, but it was real tight coverage. I don't care about tight coverage. It doesn't mean anything to me. The only benefit of tight coverage is the zero yards after catch. Tight coverage doesn't mean anything. And, and listen, there are some corners that are just that way. And it's very frustrating. There, there is a certain art form to breaking up a pass. Tight coverage is maybe a component of that, but there is a whole other element of a game of, of playing the ball and, and, you know, even playing the receiver, you know, using your body to kind of slowly push him or slow him down or whatever the case may be so that he can't quite get to the ball, you know, playing the, the receiver's hands, playing the ball, play, all these different little components to making sure the receiver doesn't catch it, and just being close to him when he catches it does not impress me. And I'm really tired of hearing about it. Especially when, I mean, you know, I want to know if it happened, that's fine. But saying it in a positive way just annoys me. Oh, that was a great throw and catch from so-and-so. Also, Jair, really tight coverage. No, 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 no. Don't put a positive spin on that. That goes in the negative column. He's the one that gave up the catch. And again, that's all he's done, all training. I think it was this last training camp against the Texans was the first positive note in 11 training camp installments. It's the first positive note from Jair all year so far. I mean, there's been a lot of high praise. I'm, ju- I'm just saying. I would like to see, because I, I want to be excited. I came into this super excited, and then we get into training camp, and Josh Jackson's hurt. Jair's getting dominated. Tony Brown has some really highlights, but then he gets dominated. Kevin King is hurt, and he's been getting dominated. I mean, he had like a pick, but mostly he just loses. The wide receivers, who, by the way, got dominated by the Texans' cornerbacks, the cor- our cornerbacks can't stop f- to save their lives. Which, if we're following the logic here, it would be Texans' corners on top, who are not very good, then our wide receivers, then our cornerbacks. That that really is, is trampling my excitement. So I don't expect Kevin King to go, which is upsetting, because he's another one that I would really like to prove me wrong, although I don't have a lot of high hopes. Tony Brown, there's a ton of hype. And I, I, I feel like in the, it's one of those annoying things where I feel like I was the first one to get excited about Tony Brown and say I really like Tony Brown, and now everybody is so high on Tony Brown, I have to go to the other side and, like, rein everybody in. Like, all right, man, I mean, yeah, I, I like him too, but come on now. Slow down a little bit. So, I, you know, I don't know. If, if Josh Jackson and Kevin King don't play, there's really two things. I want 
it's, it's kind of like the wide receivers. You've got Devontae, who you want to just dominate because you want to make sure that he's still good. And then you got the other guys where there's a competition and you want to see who's the number two and this and that and da-da-da-da-da. Jair, I want to see dominate. Tony Brown, I want to see that he is a legitimate starter. I want to see him bring that energy and bring that tenacity, and that's the stuff that I really like. But at the same time, it's also about negating the bad. Deshaun Kaiser does the same thing. Really good plays, really strong arm, really accurate play. Also, garbage. Right? Terrible throw. Intercept. Blah, 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 blah. If you do that as a corner, it's just as bad. Oh, did you see that great play? I did. Did you see when he blew the coverage for a touchdown? I saw that one, too. Right, there has to be an element of consistency in there somewhere. Uh, there, there, you know, and outside of that, there's been a decent amount. Natrell Jamerson, uh, Chandon Sullivan, these guys have had their moments. Kadar Holman, draft pick. Been some talk about him having a pretty good showing. I just want to see somebody stand out, and I, I need to see Jair stand out. Right? I mean, if, if Natrell Jamerson does it, cool. You know, great. I probably not going to make the team. Maybe practice squad, whatever. But you know, good. I'm I'm glad to see you had a good little outing there. Jair Knight needs to not get shown up by the guys who are going to be on the practice squad. How about I phrase it that way? Safeties are pretty safe. And this is kind of how it is in general, right? You want to see your starters dominate, the ones that are going to play. And then the backups, you want to see some healthy competition, some guys kind of stand out and flash that are going to maybe make the roster as the number four safety or whatever, right? I still don't know what's going to happen with Josh Jones. At this particular point in time, we're just going to assume he's going to be on the team. I think if I did a 53, I'd probably just put him on it. As much as that blows my mind to even say it, it just kind of seems like that's the way to go here. Although technically Josh Jones would be the number four, so I, I don't know. Because you got Amos, you got Savage, you got uh, Raven Green, and then you got Josh Jones. But again, the, the top guys are Amos and Savage. I, so, But it's different. Like Amos, the big thing is consistency. So he doesn't give up a lot of big plays. He's in on a lot of uh, clutch tackles and that guy. I just want to see like this sort of a, I guess you can call it a leader in the in the back backfield he kind of keeps it together he's also going to be the the veteran to kind of help along darnell savage darnell i want to see some craziness and and this is maybe the one exception to the i don't want to see you make any mistakes you know he's hardly had any had any time to practice he's going to be making some mistakes very complicated scheme i just want to see flashes of what your upside can be first ever preseason game i'm not going to throw a fit if you make some mistakes in fact go make some mistakes just be crazy out there just just for a day just let it all hang out, go play wild, and see what you can come up with. But I think that was kind of the problem with Josh Jones is he got up in his head too much. He, he's a super great athlete, super physical, all this stuff, but the cerebral part was just tough. I don't want Darnell Savage to fall into that. Another guy that's really athletic but just cannot put it together. I mean, Josh Jones is very, very fast, and he's getting beat by everybody because, again, it's not just speed. There's more to this than speed. So I want to see Darnell just go out and just get, get a little crazy. Uh, linebackers, as far as I'm concerned, it's the Oren Burke show, right? You know, Blake Martinez, cool, whatever. We know what he is. We know what he does. Oren Burks needs to take a big step, and that's going to have a big impact on what this defense is. If he doesn't, and it's another James Crawford and, and Blake Martinez thing, then, you know, that's not great. Another guy that would be nice to see step up would be Ty Summers, who who actually does have an outside shot of making the team. And this isn't me super hyping him up, right? I'm still kind of in that camp of, okay, he's a seventh-round pick. Let's relax. But I simply say that from the standpoint of if Oren Burks doesn't step up and he's still really struggling and he's still a, I mean, it was it was bad last year. It really just becomes, can Ty Summers play better than James Crawford? Well, at that point, the whole seventh round thing goes away because James Crawford was an undrafted free agent. So the answer would be yes. Yes, he can be better. And he's, you know, more athletic. So his, 
you know, the, the Packers' preference to put him in that Oren Burks role to be more the, the weak side, even though, you know, 3-4 doesn't really have weak side and all that, but to be sort of that more speedy flow from sideline to sideline guy while, you know, Blake plays more of the strong side Sam Backer type guy. Um, the interior guys, the, the defensive line, I just want to see domination. Kenny Clark, if he plays, just throw some guys around for a series and then go sit down. Go take it up, take, take the rest of the day off. But, you know, Dean Lowry, Montravius, you know, Lancaster, Looney, Sagapolu, Kingsley Kiki. I mean, I, it's a good group with a real good coach. And I just want to see that because I, I, I really think this needs to be our strength, right? The guys up front, the, the corners are going to be improved if our front is improved. The linebackers are going to be improved if our front is improved. I mean, this is what the defense in the NFL is today. This is just what's happening. You, you stack up up front. And the Packers are going in that direction. And it seems to be working. The, the defensive line seems to be really doing a great job. Just got to keep it up, right? We don't have Mike Daniels anymore. So, you know, it's either going to be Kenny Clark and nobody or everybody else is going to step up. And, and again, Montravius, that's a big one. Montravius is now basically Mike Daniels. He's got some pretty big shoes to fill. Supposedly, there's been some steps. Um, now, again, context, remember, the step has gone from Mike Pettin didn't like him and didn't really want him on the team to now Mike Pettin does like him. That doesn't mean he's an elite player. Right, when Mike Pettin calls him out and says he's taken the biggest step, yeah, it's a step from being really bad to something else. doesn't automatically mean elite. Um, and then, I, I guess not finally, because kickers and punters, right? JK, punt well, and then kickers, just hopefully somebody is really awesome. But I think the thing that I'm most excited about is going to be the edge rushers. I want to see Zadarius. I want to see Preston. I want to see, um, I want to see Rashawn Gary. And I know the Texans' offensive line isn't great, and I know this is backups. I don't care. Dominant players dominate, and I want to see if we've got these guys, if, if Rashawn Gary is, is what he is. And, and this is something that people have been saying on Twitter as they've been watching. It's been a lot of athleticism, right, especially in games where you can't really hit and you're not tackling, right, even against the Texans. You can't hit the quarterback. This is an opportunity to showcase you not only have talent and athleticism, you can finish, right? Zadarius is, is in the backfield. All right, we'll finish. Right, Gary's in the backfield. He would have blown that up. All right, let's see it. Blow it up. I want them to, because th- this is essentially what they're looking for. I want them to wreck the game. Run game, pass game, they're just wrecking it. They're wrecking your offensive line. That's that's the whole narrative. That That's what this defense is predicated on. Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary, Montravius, whatever. It's just these big, strong, physical dominate the person in front of them and blow up your play, right? The the play designs and the offenses today are all orchestrated, beautiful, this, that, and the other. Everything flows and this, and it's like a beautiful ballet. You ever see those terrible Terry Tate videos? If you haven't, you should go to YouTube and watch them right now. Uh, my, my buddy and I, when we were younger, back in, I don't know, middle school days or whatever, I'd go over to his house, and we would sit and watch terrible Terry Tate videos, and I would have tears streaming down my eyes, also known as Triple T. But that's essentially what we're looking for, right? The offense is all organized, and everybody's wearing suit and ties in the office, and the defense is terrible Terry Tate, right? You're just at the water cooler trying to get a drink of water, and here comes this 300-pound freak that for no reason whatsoever decides to slam into you and knock you straight through the water machine there. The heck is that called? Why did I call it a water machine? What is going on in my life? Water cooler, right? I know words. I know two words, water and cooler. So get out of my face. All right, I, I, I got to give you a little bit. 
because now I'm sitting here watching Triple T videos, and I'm going to be late for work, so let me just throw a little bit on the podcast for you. This needs to be the uh, the the, <laughs> the motto for the Packers defense going forward. I'm going to give you this, and then I'm going to promise myself I'm not watching any more of this video. I am an enforcer, man. Don't nothing go down in my house. It's 100% hard, baby. Sure, I jack a few fools. I give them the pain. But sometimes it's about intimidation, you know. <laughs> it's my games. I really wanted to add the next scene in there, but without watching it, it's not nearly as funny. But that's Triple T. And if I could just hear one person on the defense say, get ready for the pain, woman. The pain train's coming. Oh, just be glo- just, just mic up Rashawn Gary one time and let him say that. Just look dead in a right tackle's face and say, get ready for the pain, woman. Pain train's coming. <laughs> oh, I would pay a deep 20 bucks. I'd pay 20 bucks for that. Maybe we could take up a collection. I don't know if Rashad would go for that. I'd hit him up on Twitter and ask, but he gets a little blocky on there. So I, I, I'm trying not to talk to him much or ever. Anyways, we are about out of time, which means I'm going to have to stop it here. And because I didn't do a second break, that means you had a very abrupt uh, interruption at some point with the second ad break. And I apologize for not setting that up. We're supposed to do questions, but I just do not have time. So anyways, super excited. Hopefully we get to... Uh, Again, it really just comes down to I want to see good competition from the guys that are kind of the number twos, threes, fours. Starters, though, that that's what really matters. The starters need to be good football players. Jair, Devontae, Geronimo, Marquez, Jimmy Graham, Rashawn Gary, Zadarius. The season isn't going to be won or lost because of Kadar Holman and Tony Brown. Not going to be, you know, Cole Madison and Josh Jones. So, anyways. You folks, enjoy your Thursday. Have a good one. We'll be talking about the game tomorrow. Bye-bye.